as we're singing holy, holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There's no one like him. When you sing, when you open your mouth and you sing holy, you're saying, God, there's no one like you. You are other than. You are separate from all that is. When we join in with songs like this, we join in with heaven. Convinced this is one of these songs we're going to be singing in eternity. There's a reality come to join as you join in. Chains break. As you join in, demons flee. As you join in, your soul is awakened. We cry out, holy, sing out. We cry out.
forever. Amen.
I know we're beginning to realize how powerful it is when the men of God rise up and declare their rightful place as sons. There's nothing more important. There's nothing worth it. You, can, you can't do jack squat until you learn if you're a son first. Yeah? Sons who are surrendered, it's not a, it's not a, weak, it's not a weakness in surrender. It's a, I am yours, you are mine. You get filled with the Holy Spirit when you surrender. It's the only reason you can sing a little louder. There's a story of a pastor, you know, Bill Johnson, tells a story of one of his friends. When he's, when he's getting attacked by the enemy, when he's feeling the pressure, when it's coming against him, so he just walks into a room, pulls up two chairs. He sits, he sits in one and turns the chair facing him. He says, devil, come here. You come sit in this chair, and you're going to watch me worship. That's what you're doing. Josiah, here with me from New Rivers playing drums, he had just this sense that uh, we were supposed to all together just sing that old hymn, I Surrender All. I think it's just a perfect, perfect way to end this this time together, just us as sons saying, God, I surrender all to you. So just sing it out. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Our voices lifted up. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Thank you, God. Once you turn, tell somebody God is good. As you have a seat.
Amen. Amen. What's up, fellas? Let's bring it. All right. I see a lot of guys out here. I knew BC. I'm pumped about that. My boys. Woo. It's crazy how this works. <laughs> All right. My journey started four years ago. I took hold of my spiritual journey, and I, I, I decided I was going to do it. Gave up. I surrendered. I did. I was happy about it. I didn't do it alone. There was a lot of people that helped me. A lot of people. That community, that, your testimony changes over time, over and over and over. And mine happens to be a community right now. People that are around you, the people that have helped you, the people that jumped down in the trenches with you. Those guys are going to be there. Sorry. <laughs> those guys that jump down in the trenches with you, those are the ones that are going to be there for you. Your fire team, the guys that are sitting next to you, doesn't matter who, where it is. I was in re four years ago, and I met my spiritual father, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. I just sell electrical supplies, right? What am I doing? What am I supposed to do? And then now look here. I sell conduit every single day. And I'm about to sell you the most expensive, the most best conduit you can have. Y'all know what that is? Holy Spirit, baby. Y'all give it up for my boy Ken Martin. Thanks, brother. Love you. Love you. Okay. All right. Wow. These these lights are bright. <laughs> Woo. I don't know about that. Okay. Before we uh, get into the message about freedom, uh, I want to introduce to you some friends of mine. And by the way, if you've not got to meet the guys from Poland and the guys from Chicago, they're right here jumping up and down and singing, worshiping the Lord. You need, you need to meet these guys. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere. Jesus is not an American. Who said that? Was that Tut that said that? They, they said that Jesus was Polish. That's what they said. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Seriously, we, we love, if you, if you were here last year, you remember we had the guys from Cambodia here. And uh, I tell you, the Lord is working all around the world. He is, his, his kingdom is advancing everywhere. Well, I want to tell you about a man that I met nine years ago. Nine years ago, I got to go to a John Eldridge boot camp in Colorado. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. You ought to go if you get a chance. Man, it's a great experience. But I'm telling you, the worship team that we have here is second to none. I'm telling you, there is a worship here. But anyway, I, I fly into the Denver airport. And I, I don't remember how many men were at that camp. I think it's four or five hundred, maybe more. But they were from all around the world. So I'm in the Denver airport, and there are three or four hundred men. I don't know a soul. I'm by myself. I just kind of looking around, smiling. We're waiting on the buses to take us out to the camp. And so I'm just kind of looking around. 
And as clear as I've heard the Lord's voice, he spoke to me and he said, go introduce yourself to that man. And he was about as far from me as that wall over there. And so I just got my eyes on him. He's standing there just like this. He's waiting. And I walk up to him and I introduce myself. And as soon as he opened his mouth, I knew he was not from West Texas. He said, my name is Reinhard Schaefer from Heidenheim, Germany. He had come all the way from Germany by himself to the John Eldridge Boot Camp in Colorado. Well, I tell you, he and I struck up a friendship there, and the friendship has lasted for nine years. His kids have come over and stayed with us. We have gone to Germany to be with them. Reinhardt and his wife came and stayed with us. They have loved us. We have loved them. I'm telling you, it, is, it has turned into a special relationship. And so th they were here not long ago, a few weeks ago. Reinhardt and I were talking. And I said, Reinhardt, let's get somebody from your church to come to the boot camp. He said, what? I said, yeah. Let's get one of your pastors to come to the boot camp. He said, well, that sounds okay, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so, long story short, the Lord did a miracle, and he brought from Heidenheim, Germany, Reinhard Schaefer, my good friend, and he also he brought his pastor, Samuel Kistner, his associate pastor, and he also brought his friend, Winfred Glogge. Close, close, anyway. Anyway, you three guys come up here. I want you to I want I want you to bless these guys. This is my good friend Reinhard Schaefer, and I've asked him to pray for me in German. You don't have to know German because Winfred is a translator. He translates English in their church. They have refugees from all over the world, man, that come to their church. They have, when we were there at their church, they had 16 baptisms, and 14 of the baptisms were Muslims. Many, many of the Muslims have had dreams about Jesus, and they want to know about Jesus. And this church in Germany is reaching out to all the refugees, and the Lord is advancing his kingdom through their church. So I'm going to ask Reinhard to pray in German, and then after Winfred translates that, I'm going to ask the pastor, Samuel, to give a blessing to you men from Heidenheim, Germany. It's a big honor to pray for my brother and friend, Ken. So please allow me to speak in German language, because this is my mother tongue. Heavenly Father, ah, uh. yeah. <laughs> 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 English. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> he just spoke in tongues. No, no, no. <laughs> I have to switch my brain. Himmlischer Vater, ich danke dir, dass du jetzt Ken benutzt, ihn bevollmächtigst, über das Thema Freiheit zu sprechen. Wir bitten dich, dass du uns die Wahrheit über Freiheit in unsere Herzen setzt 
und uns erklärst, was göttliche Freiheit ist, nachdem wir Männer uns so sehr sehnen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that now we can hear about freedom. Thank you that you authorize us, Ken, to talk to us about freedom. Uh, this the truth we are longing for, the real truth you want to give to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Bless him. Amen. Okay, Samuel is going to give us a blessing. Yeah, I want to say greetings from Heidenheim, from our church. It's called Brücken Gemeinde. That means bridge church. And that's our calling, to be a bridge for people to Christ. And I felt the same spirit here amongst you. You are building bridges for people to come to Christ. And that's great to experience that, to be in your midst and to enjoy fellowship and brotherhood. And I'm really thrilled when I see how you are Standing together as men, you are praying for each other, you are sharing your lives with, with each other, and I'm praying that we will do the same in Heidenheim. So we'll start with that. We want to bring that to our place, and we ask you to pray for us, and I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you for this man, man that you are calling into your family. You have called them, and most of them have answered to that call, and they became your children. Yes, and so we yes. are one family now, even yes. though... We are from America, from Germany, from Poland, from other countries. We have known each other, but now we are one family. And it's so good to spend time together, to feel your love through them, and to share your love with them. And I pray that you continue the good work you have started in them, that you use them as a light in their families, in the society, in the church, so people are drawn near to you through them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to speak the, the Old Testament blessing on you. There it says, well, if I can read it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and is gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And can ask me to, to speak it in German? Der Herr segne dich und behüte dich. Der Herr lasse sein Angesicht leuchten über dir und sei dir gnädig. Der Herr erhebe sein Angesicht auf dich und schenke dir seinen Frieden. Amen. Amen. Ben. Yeah. I need another second. Yes. Something just came to my mind during worship. And I thought, you Polish friends, we Germans, we have an issue in the past. No, we do have. And yeah, we had, not we, but our ancestors, our fathers. And yes. there have been really cruel things happening through Germans towards you. And I just want to say that I'm sorry about that, what has happened. And I'm really ashamed about it. And I'm happy that we are now one family in Christ. Yes. Yes.
Okay, guys. Um, I'll tell you, that's powerful. That, that, listen, that is a picture of freedom. When you talk about freedom, that's a picture of freedom right there. Uh, most of you should have gotten the little uh, cards, uh, and tonight when we're finished with this message, uh, you're going to be given the opportunity to write anything down that you are declaring that you are free from and you can declare what you are free to do. But there are going to be some fires lighted. There'll be the main one out here and there's going to be nine fires behind all the vehicles so that you go with your fire team. You write down, I think most of you fire team leaders know the drill, but you write down things on the card that you want to be free from and then with your fire team, you can speak it if you want to. You don't have to, but you can speak it and say, I am being freed, and I am free from this, and you can put it in the fire. Uh, but we're going to talk about the, what freedom is, and we'll go through several things. I, I tell you, I did not necessarily, I did not plan what Pastor Sammy did with the Polish men. But I'm telling you, that is breaking chains and bondage from the past, from ancestors of the past. There was a time in our country that German people were not welcome to come to this country. See, the truth is our ancestors, our fathers and our grandfathers were enemies. Now, how many of you in here have a father or a grandfather who was in World War II? You look around and see how many people. Uh, yes, yes, the men from Germany had fathers and grandfathers who were in the war. And these Polish men have probably ancestors also who were there. See, when we talk about freedom, we can show movie clips about World War II. We can show Private Ryan and things, but it's just a picture. It's all it is. It's just a picture. It's not the real fight. I'm telling you, evil comes into this world, and it can come into our hearts and cause us to do things that we would not do otherwise. And people can be deceived. In our own families, people can be deceived. We can be deceived. But I'm telling you, to walk out in freedom, and I know some of you have got a measure of freedom this weekend that you did not have when you came here. Is that the truth? How many, how many of you have freedom that you did not have when you came here? I'm telling you. But that is not the most important thing. What's more important than getting freedom is keeping freedom. You gotta stay free. My brother, Rodney Hogue, he wrote a book, um, a workbook, and the title of it is Getting Free and Staying Free. If you get free, you gotta stay free. I'm telling you, when you go back to your home tomorrow, and by the way, you are going home tomorrow, okay, you, you can't stay. There's no more prime rib. Don't be asking for it. I didn't even get to eat it. Joe Don comes up to me and says, prime rib. It was this big. I tell you, there are a lot of people who have been praying for you and loving on you and making a way for everything that's happened this weekend for it to take place. But mainly it's your heavenly father who brought you here. The Holy Spirit brought you here for this purpose, for things to change in your life. 
for your family to change. No matter if you feel like that everything is perfect in your family, which I doubt that it is, because every family has issues. Everybody does. Now, maybe you didn't want to talk about it with your fire team, but every family has issues. But I'm telling you, the Lord is the mighty king who can fix our families, but he's got to first fix us. We've got to be willing for that to happen. Okay, when you talk about freedom, and I know this is not natural for some of you. You know what the, you know what the symbol of freedom is? Well, it's an eagle. No, it's not an eagle. You know what the symbol of freedom is? This, you might say, well, no, that's not right. Yeah, that is the symbol of freedom. You know why? Because in the universal language, Sieva went to shoot the uh, skeet shoot from Poland. He went over there to shoot the skeet shoot. I'm not going to tell them how many you hit. I'm not going to tell them. But one of the men from Poland never, never shot a shotgun, and he hit the first target, and he kept hitting them. Unbelievable. I'm not going to say that everybody happened to that. But anyway, Sieva had the shotgun, and the instructor said, put down the gun. Well, I don't guess he understood, and he, he kept holding the gun. He was ready, put down the gun. He kept holding the gun like this. Put down the gun and walk away. And he put it down and he went. I, th I think maybe he'd heard that from a policeman sometime. I'm not sure. <laughs> Sieva knows what freedom is all about, man. If you don't hear anything that I say to you, freedom is surrender. That's what freedom is. It is just surrendering, giving up. Giving up your own desires and letting the Lord replace your desires with His desires. And I tell you, we can, it's easier to give up here. When you go back home, it's harder. It's not as easy to go back there and do it. You need a power that is not in you. You don't have the power to do it. I mean, it, you know, you can try your best. You can try really hard. But we all need a power that is greater than ourselves. That power is the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if you come from a traditional church. I grew up in a traditional church. And the only time I ever heard Holy Spirit was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, if somebody was being baptized, then that's great. But I'm telling you, the only God on earth is the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus? He is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And he sent, Jesus said, it is better that I go away such that the spirit of truth will come and reveal everything to you. Even the disciples, by the way, the disciples had three years of a boot camp every day. Can you imagine having a boot camp every day for three years? Do you think you would learn something after three years? Well, they did not learn. They, they still doubted. They, they didn't because they were men. Three years of boot camps every day with the king of creation. 
revealing himself, doing miracles. I've heard, I've even said it myself, I've heard people say, I just wish that I'd been alive when Jesus was here, and I would really, I'd have a stronger faith. No, you wouldn't. We have the same choices today to appropriate his spirit in our lives. All we have to do is ask. It's not about you getting smart. It's not about you cleaning up your life. It's just about asking. At the end of the message tonight, I'm kind of starting back at the end. I, I, I don't know why I started from the very end. But I, I'm, I'm getting to the, the most important part. I'm telling you. The most important. If you, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for the repentance of sins. I baptize you with water. But there is one who is coming after me that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In fire. John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus to come. If you have never asked Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, you need to do that tonight. I'm just giving you the invitation. You don't have to, but if you've never asked him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, just come up here and say, listen, I want more of Jesus. You know, when you say, I want more of Jesus, you're really saying, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. That's the truth. That's the reason Jesus said that I have to go away so I can send him. The Holy Spirit is available to you and me. When we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives because no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit is what the Word says. So the Holy Spirit comes into our In fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you. He will be in you. And then later he said he will be a upon you being upon us is being the anointing receiving the power to make the changes to stay free because we don't have the power to stay free you got it the, uh, unless you appropriate the spirit in your life the holy spirit it is it is next to impossible to keep the freedom that you've gained this weekend now, there are a lot of other things that are involved, but that is the most important thing for you to know, is to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay, maybe we'll get down to, I can't remember, who was it that had the long introduction? Anyway, one of the teachers did. Man, you, you've been blessed by a lot of great teaching and testimonies. My friends from Germany said they are so impressed that man, men here are willing to be real. Real. If you have not been real with your fire team, you need this is your last night. Then you're going home. But you've got to be real with every, every person in your fire team. Okay, what I, when Brandy asked me to share about freedom, I thought about various things. And then I felt like the Lord gave me something relatively, to me, was simple. Was for the English word freedom, F-R-E-E. D-O-M. And I just said, well, Lord, what, what, what are some things in that that would help us get freedom and stay free? And that first letter is forgiveness. There is no freedom until we receive the forgiveness that is offered by the one who shed his blood that we might be free. Jesus opens the door. And he says, you want freedom? 
you got to come through me. You know the scripture. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus opens the door. I dare say the vast majority of you in here have walked through that door. If you have not walked through that door, if you have not made a decision to follow Christ, do not leave this pavilion until you come up and talk to somebody. Now, I'm not trying to force you to make that decision because that's an important decision. But come and talk to somebody about it tonight before you leave if you've never made that decision. So he opens the door to forgiveness because he is offering that to you and me. But see, there's another part of forgiveness. And this is just almost as important as the forgiveness that Christ offers to us. And he says for us to forgive others. In fact, the word says, if we do not forgive. Now, I, you may never have heard this. If we do not forgive, he will not forgive us. But even more than that, if you ever look at the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 18, there are some very sobering things that Jesus says in that parable. You remember the story. It's the servant that owed the master, I'm going to say, $3 million. It probably is $3 billion. And the master was going to settle his accounts, and he went to that servant and said, pay up everything. He said, I, 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 I can't. He said, well, throw his family into prison. And he begged for mercy from the master. The servant begged for mercy, and the master had mercy on him. He even said, I'll pay you back. No, you won't. There's no way he could pay him back. But he gave, had mercy. Then that servant went to another servant who owed him $50. Really, it was more than that. It was about a year's wage. He owed him that. And he went to that servant and said, pay me what you owe me. And he said, give me time. I will pay you. And he said, no, you pay me now. And he had his family thrown into prison. So when the other servants saw what happened, they went to the master. And they said, you know the guy that you forgave the billion dollars from? You know what he did to this other, he, this other servant? He had his family thrown into prison. And the master brought him back. And he said, you should have forgiven like I forgave you. And since you did not, I'm putting you in with the, the, the end of the prison for the tormentors is what the word says. And to torment him until he pays everything back. Can I tell you the truth? Men, when we choose not to forgive someone, we are opening the door to the tormentor. We open the door to the tormentor when we choose not to forgive. Now, I know some of you in here have been wounded deeply because I know some of your stories. Some of you have been abused by somebody else, and it was not your fault. Some of you have been hurt by other men or other women, and it was not your fault. But if you want to be free, you have to forgive them. But it's not just forgiveness. It's also blessing. I'm going to tell you a very short story. Many years ago, a man in business who was in business with me betrayed me. 
He took money from the company. He took customers from the company. And I taught him everything that he knew. He was like a son. I treated him like a son. And then he betrayed me. How many of you have ever been betrayed? Especially by a friend many times. I'm telling you, it is difficult to get over betrayal. It is a wound that can go deep. But I knew that I needed to forgive him. And so I spoke the words with my mouth. Even if it's not in your heart, speak it with your mouth. Because all of the spirits around you hear you speaking. By the way, there are spirits all around us, guys. Speak with your mouth, I forgive, even if you don't feel it in your heart. And so I forgave him. That was many years ago. About five or six years ago, he, he lived on one side of town. I lived on the other side of town. I never saw him. He went to one church. I went to another church. I never, I never came across the guy. But then one day, I'm driving home. And I'm driving down the street to my house. And I look out there close within a block of my house. There the guy is. He's in a yard. He's moving into my neighborhood. And I said to myself, who let him in my neighborhood? Do you think I was completely healed of that wound? And the Lord said to me, bless him. Bless his family. Bless his business. What? He's a competitor. What do you mean bless his business? Bless his family. I said, that must be from Satan. That's not from the Lord. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I wish that I'd done it the first time, but I did not do it. And I drove on. And about three or four weeks later, I'm going down to the road back to my house, and there he is again. And I'm just trying to ignore it. And that voice comes to me clearly. Bless him. Bless his family. Bless his business. I said, no. I said no to the Lord. If you want to stay bound up, all you got to do is say no to the Lord. And you'll stay bound up. The third time, a few weeks later, I drove by his house. There he is again. And the Lord said, bless his family. Bless his business. Bless him. And it came out of my mouth. I said, Lord, bless him. Bless his family. Bless his business. And something came off of me. I'm, I, I am not lying. There was a weight that was on me, and all of a sudden, something fell off of me. It literally, like, I, I just jumped. Did you know that there are spirits that will attach themselves to you when you do not do what the Lord tells you to do? When we open the door of unforgiveness, the tormentor will come, and spirits will get attached to us. And when you follow the word and you forgive, and you bless, but what you find out is, my wife said, now why would you say bless his business? Because I want my business to be blessed. You know what Jesus said? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, running over into your lap, by the standard of measure that you give, it will be given back to you in return. So whatever we give comes back. Did you know if you curse somebody, that curse is coming back? Because that is a law, a spiritual law that Jesus established. Give 
and whatever you give is coming back. If someone has hurt you, you've got to forgive them and bless them in Jesus' name, even if you don't feel like it, because you do not want curses coming your way. F, freedom is about forgiveness. We're going to have to move faster. I can't even see the clock back there, but I know we're supposed to follow the clock somehow. Uh, what did he say? I, I'm hard of hearing. I, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, we're going to be here all night, guys. Now, listen, my, my, my German friends and my Polish friends are still fighting jet lag. By the way, they're seven, they're seven hours away. <laughs> they're seven hours away. It takes, it takes one day to, to get used to one hour difference. I don't know if you've traveled much internationally. And by the way, I'm, I'm putting a call on every man in here. I'm asking you to ask the Lord if you need to go on a short-term mission trip. Every man in here should be about spreading the gospel at home and around the world. You might say, there's no way. I don't have the money. I, I, I can't afford to do that. All you got to do is say, yes, Lord, and the Lord will provide the money. He's got, he has got all the money. He will provide the money. I'm telling you, if you'll go on a short-term mission trip and spread the gospel, it will change your life. He will create in you a heart for other men and women around the world. You can go to Poland. You can go to Germany. You can go to Brazil. You can go to Trinidad. You can go to the Philippines. There are places all around the world, and there are people anxious for you to come and to be a blessing. I, I tell you, the, the guys from Cambodia, I'm getting off track a little bit, but the guys from Cambodia that we were had here, some of you know this. Did you know we're taking a, uh, we're taking a boot camp to Cambodia? Randy has been practicing his Cambodian. He's, been, he's, he's trying to learn. <laughs> Somebody said he couldn't speak English, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. You forgive me. Okay, I've got a movie clip, and this movie is kind of sensitive. But I'm telling you what, after he broke that bond right here, this movie is not sensitive. This movie is called The Darkest Hour. And if you've never seen it, let me tell you a little bit about it. Some of you young guys don't really have as much appreciation. Maybe the guys from Poland do, and the guys from Germany do. But some of the young Americans don't really have an appreciation probably for what happened in World War II. But I'm telling you, there was a point in World War II in May of 1940. Poland had been invaded in 39. In 1940, in May of 1940, Germany had overrun much of Europe and defeated many countries. And what happened was Neville Chamberlain was the Prime Minister of Britain and he tried to appease Hitler by just letting him annex Austria and letting him take some other countries and we will be at peace. But you cannot negotiate with evil. Evil was not all German people but it was Hitler who deceived many German people. But you cannot negotiate with evil but Neville Chamberlain was the Prime Minister in Britain and he had let all of this overrun. There were 300,000 British troops 
trapped at Dunkirk on the coast of France uh, to about to be annihilated, whatever, they were about to be captured or killed. And I'm telling you, they were rescued by a civilian navy. But anyway, the story is, we're going to start out with, they, they had to make a change. They had to make a change in the prime minister. Neville Chamberlain no longer had the support of the parliament. This first scene shows you what took place when they replaced him with Churchill. You want to show the first clip? speaker at war and leaving aside whether he is fit to be a leader in peacetime he has proved himself incapable of leading us in wartime are willing to enter into a grand coalition with the ruling Conservative Party, so-called, but not, and I stress, never under the leadership of Mr. Chamberlain, who has lost the confidence of this house. In the country's interest, man, resign, step down, and let us find a new leader. Where's Winston? Ensuring his fingerprints are not on the murder weapon. Oh! 
I don't know if you caught that, but he said, the question is not whether or not you're a leader in peacetime. It is proven you are not a leader in wartime. And the truth is, men, sometimes we have to change. In fact, we need to change who is leading our lives. We need to give up the leadership and make a change. We need to let the Holy Spirit be our leader. They changed from Neville Chamberlain to Winston Churchill, even though the King of England did not want Churchill to be the Prime Minister. We're going to show you another clip, not right now, but in a minute, I'll show you a clip when it says the darkest hour that at one point in time, all of the leadership of the British government believed that they were going to be invaded and they were making plans to move the monarchy to Canada. That's how dark it was. The war was all but lost. And whatever, even Churchill's own party was saying, sue for peace. In other words, surrender. His own, his own party was telling him to do that. We'll see another clip in a minute. Repentance is the next word under freedom. So what does repentance mean? We've talked about that a little bit. Repentance is the, 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 the Greek word is metaneo. Metaneo really means to change our mind. Now, I can't remember one of our speakers said, really, repentance is if you're going this way, you change and you go another way. That's true. But, you know, it starts right here. It starts in our minds, changing the way we think. So repentance is part of freedom. The scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7, in the King James Version, it says that a man is as he thinks. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact how critical it is what we think. You've heard everybody say in here, some of the assaults that we have is that we're not sons of God. They're not worthy to be a son of God. If we're thinking that, then that's who we become. The scripture makes it clear. As a man thinks, so he becomes. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when I talked about what John the Baptist said, he said, repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The E, I'm going to move to the next one. The E that I wrote down. Uh, by the way, guys, this is not a formula. These are just things that the Lord shared with me. So you write them down. Let the Lord show something else for you. For how, Lord, how do I stay free? How do I stay free? The E that I came up with was every thought that we have. Every thought. We must be disciplined to take every thought captive. Listen. Some of you are struggling with your thought life. Some of you right now are struggling to even pay attention to what's being said. Your mind is just wandering. I'm telling you, you have an enemy and the battlefield is in the mind, guys. You have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so how do you do that? How do you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? When you have a thought, not every thought you have is yours, by the way. You might think it is. No. Not every thought is yours. The enemy plants thoughts. There are things that will come in that are not for you. They're not your thoughts. 
You don't have to take them. You have to cast them out and say, that's not me. Listen, if you start lusting, if you've had trouble with lust and you're lusting after a woman, you can say with your mouth, that is not me. I am no longer that person. And I cast that thought out. It has to line up with the word. You take it captive and you cast it out in Jesus' name. I'm not thinking that. Listen, I, I say that to myself all the time. If some thought comes into my mind and I know it's not godly thought, I, I know everybody has ungodly thoughts. Everybody's tempted. You have an ungodly thought, you just say, no, no, it's not me. I'm not thinking that way. That's not who I am. You have to say it out loud. Take it, take it captive and know what the Word says so that it can obey Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. You can have a stronghold in your life, and the power of the Holy Spirit is stronger than that stronghold in your life. The weapons that we have are divine, and they destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. The truth is, men, that by our thoughts, we either conform to this world or we get transformed. By our thoughts, Romans 12, 2, Paul told us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We renew our minds with His Word. Listen, if you're, if you're not reading the Word or you don't like to read the Word, there is no excuse for you not to get the Word in your life. You can listen to it. Every man that has a smartphone, you got a Bible app, Start turning it on and let the Lord speak to you. Just like the Listen, I know some of you guys travel up and down the highway a lot. Even in your business, you travel up and down the highway. Let the Word start being spoken into your life and come into your spirit. The Word has to come in. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's the Word and the Spirit if you want power. Both of those. Then the Word many times is not just for you but it's for somebody else. Listen, I'm amazed by the number of guys that have come to the, pro the prophetic conference in through here in prophecy. You know, the, the prophetic words, you got to have the word in you before you can give it. The word comes in, and then you give it out. You need to be speaking prophetic words over your family. It's not just coming to a boot camp. You need to be speaking life over your family. The word comes in, and then it goes out. It's for you and it's for others. Every thought. The next E that I put down was each choice. Did you know each choice that we make has a consequence? Now sometimes we think, no, nah, no. I've heard people say, man, I, I just didn't have any choice. I, I just, that's just the way I'm in. Listen, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I've been diagnosed with a sexual addiction. 
I don't have any choice. I just got to go to bed with women. I said, bullshit. That is not true. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Randy. I wasn't, I, I'm not sure that's supposed to be said in church, but that's all right. Anyway. Anyway. You have a choice. You have a choice. Do not let the enemy lie to you and say, oh, that's just the way I am. I, I, I can't help myself. You know what that is. That's BS. Each person has a choice. You can choose. It's important to choose. Deuteronomy 30 says, We have set before us, this is the truth, we have set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. And listen to this. You know why you want to choose life? Because it's not just for you. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. The freedom that you have been getting this weekend and will continue to get, can I tell you that it is not just for you? That freedom is for your descendants. It's for your family. It's for your co-workers. It's for every person that you can speak life into because once you are free, you can free people. You don't have to be on the leadership team. You don't have to be anybody up here speaks. God is giving you the power to free people. You can speak life into them and not death. That's the calling on our lives is to speak life into other people and to free other people in Jesus' name. You have a choice. Make that choice. You can do it. I don't care if you're the youngest guy in here and if you're saying to yourself that I'm the least qualified person here, God is giving you the mantle to free people. And for you to be free, choose freedom and choose life. Okay. The D that I put for freedom is discipleship. The word disciple means student, a learner. Jesus' disciples, they followed Jesus for three years. They were a student. But you know the best definition I like for disciple? You know what a disciple does? He imitates the teacher. A disciple does his best to imitate the teacher. Did you know that's the calling on our life? The more of the spirit that we have in us, we should start looking like Jesus. Now, I know some of you guys that are bald, you're thinking, I'm going to grow a lot of hair, but I'm, you don't have to be looking like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that. We are to be transformed into Jesus. Now, you might say, now, are you sure? Yes, we are to Im imitate the master as a disciple. 
when Jesus talked about in 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is Paul, but we with all, all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image with one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You and I are being transformed daily if we will let Him transform us. The last commandment that Jesus gave. The last commandment that He gave. is in Matthew 28. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. So if Jesus had all the authority, did Satan have any authority? Who had the authority? Jesus. Jesus said, all authority on the earth and in the heaven is given to me. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you until the end of the age. If I ask the question, do you love Jesus? You know, not every one of you is going to raise your hand. That's all right. But I'm going to ask you, do you love Jesus? Yeah, most of you are raising your hand. Maybe not everybody. Some say, I don't want to be manipulated. I'm, I'm not manip manipulating you. But if you really love Jesus, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. It's that simple. Obedience is the next one. Obedience is the O. Before I talk to you about obedience... I want you to be reminded of the authority. Whenever Jesus said go, he was talking to you. He wasn't talking to somebody else. He wasn't talking to the preacher. He was talking to you. All authority is, and you go with my authority. This next clip of the darkest hour, I told you that whenever Winston Churchill was selected as the prime minister, even the king himself did not want Churchill. His own party did not want him. It's like the Republican Party picking somebody, but they didn't want to pick him. Nobody wanted Churchill. And this next scene is when he is in his bedroom, and I'm telling you, the war was essentially lost. It really was. Like I told you before, they were getting ready to move the monarchy to Canada. And Churchill is just in his bedroom depressed because he knows the king does not support him. His party does not support him. So you listen to what the king comes into the bedroom and tells him. Darling. This is Churchill's Winston, wife. Winston, darling. There's someone to see you. You have a visitor. You have the full weight of the world on your shoulders. 
No, I know, I know. But these inner battles have actually trained you for this very moment. You are strong because you are imperfect. You are wise because you have doubts. Now, shall I let him in? Uh, who? The king. Which king? Our king. Well, if it isn't him, it's a marvellous impersonation. Mr. Churchill, I hope you can forgive the late hour, but your wife thought tonight would be a good time. Shall we sit? Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, please. Some, something to drink, mayhap. <coughs> I received a visit from Viscount Halifax. It appears that the prospect of a peace deal has increased dramatically. The, the war cabinet are drafting a letter to Mussolini, asking him to broker talks with Hitler. Then Halifax was correct. I, I should like to know your mind. It would be helpful to know yours first. Uh, I should like to know it myself. Nations <coughs> which go down fighting rise again, and those uh, surrender tamely are finished. Belgium collapsed. Norway, Holland, France, any other. And the mood of Parliament? Fear, panic. And you? Are you not afraid? I am most terribly support in the war cabinet for the campaign of resistance has collapsed. Uh, later today I, I will address the House accordingly. You have my support. I confess I had some reservations about you at first, but while some in this country dreaded your appointment, none, none dreaded it like Adolf Hitler. Whomever can strike fear into that brute heart is worthy of all of our trust. We shall work together. You shall have my support at any hour. Beat the buzzers. I will go to Parliament. 
but without supporting my own party, I must sue for peace. You once gave me some advice. Perhaps I can, I can give you some. Go to the people. Let them instruct you. Quite silently. They usually do. But tell them the truth, unvarnished. If invasion is imminent, if our troops in France are lost, they must be prepared. On certain matters, I have very few people with whom I can talk frankly. Perhaps now we have each other. And I no longer scare you. A little. <laughs> but I can cope. <laughs> We are ready, more or less. More or less what, Bertie? Give me a number. In total, 860 vessels. The biggest civilian fleet ever assembled. Operation Dynamo waits on your command. The Admiral, initiate Dynamo. And may God watch over them all. if you caught that or not, but uh, the king who was opposed to Churchill said, you have my full support at any hour. Did you know the king of glory says the same thing to you? You have my authority that I'm giving to you at any hour that you need it. The full support. It doesn't matter if everybody else is against you, if God is for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. You have his full support. The uh, reason I added that last part on the clip about the dynamo, you know the word dunamis? You know what that means? Power. The power. We need, as I said in the beginning, a power that's greater than ourselves. We need the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. After he was with them for three years and after his resurrection, he spoke to them and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now you and I, when we make a decision to receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. But he also said... Wait in Acts. I know I'm skipping around on the notes here a little bit. But he said in Acts to wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you and that you've received the power to be my witnesses. Listen, that scripture is important for you and me. We have to receive the power of the Spirit in order for us to stay free. Okay, we're still on obedience. Let's see if there's anything else. There is no freedom unless we obey. You can't say, I love Jesus, I've received the forgiveness, and there's no obedience. You know what that is? 
Listen, the majority of the United States, I don't know about other parts of the country, but the majority of the people in the United States say, I'm going to heaven. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Do you, do you follow Jesus? No, I don't care about Jesus. I'm, I'm going to heaven because God loves me. Because God is love. Yes, it's true. God is love. But Jesus said, nobody's coming to the Father except through me. He puts a call out. It's important. It's, it's essential that we go through Jesus. That's what the Word says. But if we do not obey, then we are not, part, we are not going to receive the freedom that He has for us. Obedience is essential. The Scripture says in John chapter 8, the freedom passage, If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what does abide mean? I don't know what the Polish or the German word is for abide, but it is to know and to receive, for it to become part of you. It's like it is your home. You're abiding in the Word. It's why it's critical for you and I to know the Word, to have it put in us. If you're not reading the Word, listen to the Word. Listen to the Scripture. Look at a devotional. Do something to get the Word inside of you. Do not leave here and not get the Word put into you. If you abide in my Word, then you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, don't run me out of here. I'm going to say something right quick. Knowing Jesus is not enough to stay free. If it was, why would we ever lose our freedom? There's many of us that have known Jesus for years and still lose our freedom. Knowing Jesus is not enough. We have to follow him. We have to abide in his word. We have to stay in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? We can't do it with our own power. The Holy Spirit will give us the power to stay in step with Him because that's the Father's heart, is for us to stay in step with Him. So which comes first? A theologian from Germany during World War II who was martyred two weeks before the Americans uh, liberated the Gestapo camp was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man of God in Germany that knew Hitler was evil, and he wrestled with, do I resist this evil even though I'm commanded in the Scriptures to submit to the authorities that, that have been placed there? And he made the decision, I have to resist. There were many people in Germany that was re were resisting Hitler and the evil that he represented. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of those men. And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. But he asked the question, which comes first, obedience or faith? I said that to my German friends. They know about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. They, they learn about him a lot. And he was a man of God who was martyred for his faith. Two weeks before the Americans liberated the camp that he was in. Under personal orders of Hitler, he was murdered. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, which comes first, obedience or faith? 
If there's anybody in here that's never placed their faith in Christ, I'm saying to you, at least take a step toward Him and see if He does not step toward you. There are things in our lives that we will never know until we obey and take a step. When the Lord tells you to take a step and you say, I'm not sure I have the faith for that, you obey first and then the faith will come. He will meet you. Obedience is part of maintaining freedom. Whenever he tells you something to do, step out in faith. James said that faith without works is dead. If there is no change in our lives from following Christ, we have to ask the question, is it real? Because, see, there is a change that takes place in us. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace, by the blood of the Lamb that was shed. But when we place our faith in Him, there are changes that take place in you and me. And we have to walk out those changes and freedom is part of that, walking out the freedom as we stay in step with the Spirit. Submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The last letter of freedom is the M. And I wrote down the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As I said in the beginning. At Global Awakening one time, one of the men said this. I'm, I'm not taking credit for it. But he said, the Holy Spirit is the only God on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is here. He is in you. He is with us. He wants to be upon us. He wants to endue us with power so that we can remain free and so we can set others free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Boy, that was weak. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we accept Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. But we must stay in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 we ask Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is in us. We want Him to be upon us. The Holy Spirit has all the power. We have no power to forgive. That first letter of forgiveness, when you say, I cannot forgive that person who hurt me. You don't have the power to do that. But the Holy Spirit has the power to forgive. And He can give you that power to forgive. We have no power to change how we think. But He has the power. And He can give us the power to change how we think. He can give us the power to take thoughts captive. And make the right choices. The power to be His disciple. And to obey. We want His power in our lives. Ephesians 5.18 says. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But literally... What that scripture says is be being filled. It's not a one-time thing. I'm not sure why. You would think being filled with the Spirit was a one-time event. It says be being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
for some reason, as our pastor David McQueen says, we leak. Listen, you come to a place like this, the Spirit is really here, and it's easy to get filled up. But somehow we leak. Be being filled, you can ask the Lord, I want to be filled more of the Holy Spirit. That is scriptural. And after that, he says, after we're filled with the Holy Spirit, in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, it says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making music to the Lord in our hearts. This was not part of the freedom letters, but I'm telling you that worship is critical to staying free. It is critical to staying free. I don't know what kind of music that you're listening to. But you need to be listening to praise and worship music every day. Every day. Playing it on your radio. Playing it on your phone. It makes it clear. I'll give you the passage in Scripture to tell you. You know. You heard it. This is the way I fight my battles. I lift up praise to the king. The scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat said that he was surrounded by a great army. And you know what he did? He was afraid, just like Churchill was afraid. And he said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the Lord told the king to send out the worshipers in front of the army. And he said, just watch what happens. You want the Lord to come to your rescue? Start worshiping him regularly. Even if you say, well, I'm not a good singer. That's okay. Just pray the worship. Listen, I was singing back there. I'm not a good singer either. But just pray, play the songs and worship the Lord. You can drive down the road with the self-driving vehicles. You can even put both hands in the air. I did that the other day. I got a vehicle that, you know, keeps you in the lanes and, and slows you down if you get too close. And I took my hands off. I said, it's pretty cool. I just took my hands off. That car is so smart. It started flashing, and it said, put your hands back on the wheel. <laughs> if you want the Lord to come to your rescue, you need to worship him. The scripture says that he sent out the worshipers in front of the army. And he said, watch the Lord work. And it says in the scripture, at the moment, listen to me, this is important. At the very moment that they began to sing and worship, the Lord set an ambush for the enemies of Israel. He set an ambush the moment they started praising. Do you want the Lord to set an ambush for your enemy? Because you got one. You start praising him, and the moment you start praising him, he will set an ambush for your enemies. Worship is essential to staying free. Okay, we're just about finished, guys. Hang on. I know some of you get... No, you're not. Uh, you'll have your cards. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I want to show the last film clip, and some of you have heard of the very famous speech that Churchill gave. What the king told Churchill to do was, he said, go talk to the people. Because he said, my party does not support me. The war cabinet does not support me. They want to surrender. And the king said, 
go talk to the people. And so Churchill, in the film, he gets on the subway. I don't think he'd ever been on the subway. And he rode with the people on the subway. And they were all looking at him. Here's the, here's the prime minister. He's here. And they started talking to him. And he asked them, should we surrender? And they said to the person, no, never, ever will I surrender. And I'm telling you what, this word that you have to speak to your enemy, the enemy of your soul, you have to speak to him, I am not ever surrendering to you, but I am surrendering to the king of this universe. And so, show the next clip. Turning once again to the question of invasion, I would observe that there has never been a period in all these long centuries of which we boast when an absolute guarantee against invasion could have been given to our people. But I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and the best arrangements are made as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary, for years if necessary, alone. At any rate, that is what we are, are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation. <laughs> the British Empire and the French Republic Gathered in their cause and in their deeds, will defend to the death their native soil, <laughs> aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. <laughs> Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have, have fallen or may fall into the, the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of the Nazi rule. We shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end! We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with, with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. Yeah. We shall defend our island 
whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! And if, which I, I, I do not for a moment believe, this island or large part of it were, were, were subjugated and starving, then our empire, we on the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, yeah. would carry on the struggle. Yeah. Until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. your mind. Those who never change their mind never change anything. <laughs> what just happened? Immobilized the English language and sent it into battle. I don't know if you caught that last quote from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. A lot of you guys are getting free and you're getting victories in your life here. That does not mean the struggle will 
not continuing. And he says that failure is not fatal. Listen, guys, all of us have failed. Every man in here, including all of the leadership, we have failed at times in our lives. But it's not fatal. It doesn't mean that we don't have hope. The end of that quote was, it's the courage to continue that counts. Continue to press into the Holy Spirit. That is the courage. That's what really counts, is to press into the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to give you one more scripture, and then, uh, uh, Jeremy, you want to come up and uh, start playing for us on the keyboard? We're going to give some uh, opportunity for you to come up and to be prayed for. And if one of your guys from your fire team comes up to be prayed for, don't leave him up here, as we said yesterday, last night, is wait until he's finished being prayed for. And then you go out to the fire pits at the various areas. Remember, you write on your card about the things that you want to be free from. And then, uh, uh, we'll, then you can be into your fire team time after that. But before we do that, one thing I want to do, and I hope you'll indulge me to do this. I'm on the board of directors of this camp. And I think about the men who come to this camp. And they ask the question, I need a place for my kids to go. They have a father-son retreat here. Some of your sons need to come to this camp. They have a mother-daughter camp. They have a family camp. If you're at all interested in bringing your kids to this remote area in South Texas to know what it's like to be out in the wilderness and to spend time with them or even I tell you, I don't know if you saw it or not but there were a number of young people down at the end here worshiping with us these are college kids that have volunteered their summer to love people in Jesus name I'm telling you there's not a better place you can bring if you're really interested in that there are some brochures on the table over there. There's some brochures, and there's a 20% coupon that you can use for that. Enough said about that. Go ahead, Jeremy, would you start playing a little bit? I'm going to share another scripture with you and just a little illustration, okay? Is Kirby still here? Kirby, Freeman, is he anywhere around here? That's all right. He doesn't have, he doesn't have to be here. You know what I got in here? It's water. And there's some energy. Anybody drink energy drinks? Your energy drinks? Well, you drink water, you drink something. How many of y'all have one of these? You have it with you? Have one? You know what I realized today? What I realized today is, did you know if you... Take that little spout right there, and you have it right there. Try to get something out of it. Anybody besides me did that? And you say, man, that line's not working. It doesn't work. You know, that's the way it is as far as freedom and the Holy Spirit's concerned. If you really want freedom, you can't do it halfway. You're not going to get anything. 
Jesus said he'd just spit you out of his mouth. You want to be sold out? You got to go all the way. If you want to get what you really want, you got to go all the way. You can't let pride hold you back and say, oh no, I, that's not me, I, that's for the other guys. You got to go all the way, guys. So the invitation tonight are several invitations. Why don't the ministry team come up if you would? You guys come on up. So how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Unfortunately, some people think you've got to be really spiritual to receive the Holy Spirit. No. Luke 11, 9 through 13. I tell you, these are the words of Jesus. I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be open to him. What father among you, if his son asked for a fish, instead would give him a serpent? Or if he asked for an egg, he would give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You receive the Holy Spirit by faith just like you receive Jesus. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the invitation is several. If you've never opened the door to freedom and walked through it by accepting Jesus, if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to stand up. Anybody in here has never made a decision and you want to make a decision for Christ. The second invitation. If you have somebody in your life who has hurt you, but you have been unable to forgive them, I want you to stand up. Stand up. Someone has hurt you and you've been unable to forgive them. I want you to have the courage right now, every man who is standing, to come down here right now. Come down here right now. Come down here. Well, it's more than I thought it'd be. So the final invitation, I want you to, uh, you guys keep on coming. If the, if we're gonna, we got plenty of time to pray for you. The other prayer request is, if you know you need more of the Holy Spirit, you come on down. Now, you don't have to come with your whole hot fire team. If you're up here, it's okay. But if just one guy comes, it's okay. Not the whole fire team has to come if it's one person, okay? All right. You guys be praying for the guys that are up here, even while we're praying for them. Come on up.